everyone, and welcome to the Pastor's Cut podcast. This is Marissa Carter, alone in the booth today with Brad, um, to discuss Gen- Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, which is the text for Sunday, July 17th. And this will be the scripture for the second sermon in Darren's new series, Good and Angry. And if you didn't listen last week, one, I am deeply offended and disappointed. And two, you should go back and listen, because in that episode, Darren outlines his goal for this sermon series and gives several good working definitions and principles that will help you differentiate between good anger and bad anger. Just like we tried to emphasize with the anxiety series, anxiety in and of itself is neutral, not sinful. In fact, anxiety can fuel your faith and lead you to a deeper reliance on God. Anger is the same. It's neutral, it's an emotional response to unfairness, just as anxiety is a natural, neutral response for some to uncertainty. So, what are you doing with your anger? Is your anger aligned with God's heart for justice and righteousness? Is it selfish? Is your response to your anger constructive or destructive? Does your anger lift people up or tear them down? These are some of the questions we'll be asking in this series. In short, What is making you angry, and what are you doing with your anger? As the lone podcaster today, in an empty booth, without my brothers, it seems appropriate and also really slightly ominous (laughs) to be discussing the biblical example of Cain. So let's jump in with a reading of Genesis chapter 4, 1 through 9, so we'll all be on the same page. Adam knew his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in that field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, if I were to ask you all for an example of bad anger in the Bible, probably more than a few of you would mention Cain. His anger is notoriously fueled by a sense of unfairness, of unrighteousness. It was destructive and vindictive. The loving patience of God seemed to only fuel his anger rather than to soothe him. In Genesis 4, we're hot on the heels of the creation story, where we're introduced to a God of love who delights in beauty and in wholeness, who orders chaos and creates all and calls it good. Even in the moments of great tragedy in those early chapters, 
God comforts and clothes his people, and he puts in motion his plan to reconcile with his children and promises that Eden won't be the last time he would walk amongst us in friendship. We walked with God in the garden, but we didn't really know him. So through Jesus, he came and walked with us in the dust so we could see and understand. Because as Numbers 14, 18 declares, the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. God invites us to be part of this creation. And that's what we have at the beginning of this chapter. We have Eve giving birth to Cain and to Abel participating in that ongoing act of creation through the birth of her two sons. We today participate in creation through cultivating land, through artistic expression. We are artists, we're writers, we're musicians. We also participate in creation through bringing order and healing, through reconciling neighbors and spreading peace. So consider within your own life, and talk about this amongst your community group, how you're participating in the divine act of creation. How are you being constructive? How are you being an agent of peace? How are you ordering the chaos of this world? We create because we're made in the image of our creator. Cain rejects that and embraces his anger, becoming kind of a story of anti-creation. It's all very George Lucas as Cain rejects the light and embraces his darkness. So you can picture Cain as kind of Anakin Skywalker, if you'd like, in all his petulant, sand-hating whininess, completely stripped of anything interesting or uh, the pomp of Darth Vader. We don't really know why Cain's offering was rejected and why God looked favorably on Abel. Abel brought a blood offering and Cain brought some of the fruit of his labor. Leviticus 2 shows us that God welcomes either offering. It could be that Cain eventually got around to bringing God an offering. The text isn't really clear when he kind of decided that. But Abel seems to have brought the very best of the firstborn of his flock. This luxurious fat that is called a sweet aroma of the Lord in Leviticus 17. But it didn't have to do with what they were bringing to God as much as the spirit in which it was brought, because we know that the widow who brought two mites to the house of God put in more than all. We try to understand why one brother was favored over the other, but we forget what Samuel said when he announced a young shepherd boy to be king. We look at the outer appearances, but God looks at the heart. God knew the heart of these two brothers. He knew their intentions and their motivations in a way that just isn't described to us in the text. Hebrews 11.4 gives some insight by saying, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. Whatever God saw in the heart of Cain disappointed him. And when he looked upon Abel, he saw faith. He saw a desire to worship God in spirit and in truth. So Cain becomes incredibly angry and crestfallen at his rejection. And you might consider and talk in your class about experiences you've had with that kind of response when you've been unfairly rejected. Or maybe you knew the reasons for your rejection were valid. Either way, it hurts our pride, and surely when, when we realize that someone we care about enough to try and impress them, when they see through us and see something within us that we're trying to hide, that is so devastating. And some of us respond with embarrassment, some of us respond with anger, and some, like Cain, with murderous rage. I think specifically about the online dating world, a world that I have, thankfully, not had to be a part of. But there are countless examples online where young men who send unsolicited messages to women, they shower them with compliments. But as soon as the woman expresses disinterest, 
A switch flips and the person that moments ago pursued her becomes incredibly insulting and vitriolic with their words towards her. And in the real world, rejection can turn dangerously violent. Every year, dozens of women are murdered by men who refuse to be refused. And this was Cain. He was crestfallen, embarrassed, disappointed, jealous. And God responds to him in such a gentle, generous manner. He says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And here Cain has a choice to accept this graciousness of God and accept the acceptance that is offered. But instead, Cain gives into his prideful, darker impulses and he allows sin to take over completely and his anger turns to rage. So what do you think was in his heart at that moment? What would cause him to react so aggressively to an invitation to grow closer to God? And I think of uh, myself when I was a teenager and the way that I reacted to discipline um, by my parents, kind of, you know, how dare they? How dare they assume that they know me and what's in my heart? Are there places in your life where you reject correction because of pride? Because you think you know better than the person who offers you advice? Cain wanted God's favor without allowing God to be Lord of his life, and we all have areas in our life that we're keeping from God where we've decided we know what's best and we're ignoring God's voice. For Cain, it was pride, but we all have those secret sins that we clutch onto, the ones that we don't think are so bad. And God is whispering to you just as he did to Cain, sin is crouching at your door, but you must rule over it. And at this moment, Cain opens the door to his sin and it immediately devours him, overtaking his thinking. Cain knows that God is too big to lash out against. So he decides to go after the next best thing, his brother. And yes, the fratricide is the most despicable act in this telling, but there's something so darkly menacing about the interaction between Cain and God afterwards. I imagine a grieved God coming to Cain, knowing that the counsel he had given to Cain was ignored, and it ended with the brutal death of his beloved Abel. God is heartbroken over the fate of both of these brothers because they were both beloved of God. God wanted a relationship with both boys and Cain's actions were a rejection of God and they spit in the face of God's desire to be reconciled to Cain. The Lord's voice in these chapters, in these verses, is quiet. Cain, where is your brother? Cain's response is a hateful taunt. Am I my brother's keeper? Rabbis say that Cain wasn't just being evasive, but was claiming that it was God that fell down on the job. He was their creator, their father, their ultimate keeper. He was saying, I don't know, God, where is he? Weren't you supposed to be in charge? There are many warnings and lessons within this story, so you might explore some of these with your community group. One, um, there's a saying that hurt people hurt people. How can our anger at God eventually manifest into hurting those around us. There's a lesson to be shared with taking your anger to God. God wanted a dialogue with Cain. He wanted Cain to grow through the experience so that they could become closer. This opportunity is given to everyone who's angry at God. So when we're angry with him, when life seems unfair and we don't understand why we're rejected, we're to talk to God about it just like God invited Cain to do. He is big enough to hold our anger. And like Jacob wrestling with God, 
there is potential that you'll come out the other side of your fight with God with a faith more profound than you ever imagined as you clutch onto him. And remember, too, that after Abel's murder, God deals with Cain with a great amount of mercy, but he's no longer a part of God's story. In the recounting of generations to come between Adam and Noah in the next chapter, Cain and his descendants are conspicuously absent. When we allow anger and sin to rule our lives, we'll miss out on the wonderful opportunity to be part of creation and to be part of redemption. There's also a lesson here about the church worshiping God together as one family without jealousy or competition in a spirit of mutuality, because how many churches have been split up and community groups have been uh, torn apart by anger and jealousy. Just like the sin of Adam and Eve, the sin of Cain is within us all, and we're no better than him. We have all failed. We all fall short. But God is just as gracious to us as he was to Cain, and we are justified through Christ, who gives us the power to make the right choice where Cain failed. We are all one family, and I encourage you all to read uh, Galatians 6 if you want to explore more of this, as Paul reminds the church in Galatians that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We belong to one another and should work towards each other's thriving rather than our destruction. I wish that the shepherd Abel had been given the opportunity to shepherd his brother Cain into a deeper relationship with God. What a beautiful picture that would have been. But through our great shepherd, we have the opportunity with one another now. And God has to remind us of our mutuality, just as I have to remind my own kids when we're on a road trip and they've drawn a line down that back seat and say, you know, she's touching me, she's touching me. We have to remind, uh, be reminded by God, rather, that we should desire the best for one another. We as a church have to be better than the example of Cain and accept that we are our brother's keepers with gladness. So I'll leave you all with the words of Jesus, which uh, say in John 13, verse 34, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. May God grant you peace, and we will see you next week.